We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hello, Lakers Nation. Welcome in. Trevor Lane here for LakersNation.com. This is the LakersNation.com live podcast. If you're coming in from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter, welcome. We've got plenty to talk about tonight. The NBA rumor mill buzzing with word that the Phoenix Suns may part ways with Chris Paul. A little weird the way that got reported, too. So we'll get into that a little bit. We need to talk a bit about LeBron, what his role is going to look like for the Lakers next season, assuming, of course, that he does play next season. We'll also chat a bit about the Lakers and their attempts to find three-point shooting. We know that is going to be a goal of theirs as well. So plenty to get into. Plus, of course, we'll be taking your questions and comments coming in uh, from YouTube, from Facebook, from Twitter. So appreciate all of you joining me here tonight. This is our live show, 8 o'clock Pacific time on Wednesdays. We also go 8 o'clock Pacific time on Mondays. Friday, we go live right here on the Lakers Nation YouTube channel, 2 o'clock Pacific time to kick off the weekend that's our fun friday show and then remember i will be on amp tuesdays and thursdays at noon pacific time spend the afternoon talking some lakers basketball and that's your chance to jump on the radio version of the show all right so a lot of stuff for us to get into on this episode a lot of things to get into but what we're going to start with is our more than meets the eye segment sponsored by oakley more than meets the eye. So this is where we dig a little bit deeper into a topic. And today we happen to have the perfect topic to dig a little bit deeper into. And that's Chris Paul. Should the Lakers actually pursue him? Now, as I mentioned, there was a little bit of weirdness with the reporting list. Chris Haynes saying that the Suns intend to part ways with Chris Paul, that they are going to waive him. Uh, they can save a bit of money by doing so. About $15 million uh, is non-guaranteed on Chris Paul's contract. And that will allow the Phoenix Suns, as Keith Smith and I, um, detailed earlier today to potentially use their full mid-level exception as they're looking to build out a roster around Devin Booker, uh, of course, Kevin Durant, and maybe DeAndre Ayton. Maybe? We'll see if he's even part of the mix moving forward, too. They could even move on from Ayton. But the bottom line is that while Chris Haynes put that out there, it was later followed up by Shams Tarania saying that, well, the Suns haven't really decided that just yet. But this is a conversation that they had with Chris Paul. Now, we know that Haynes speaks to Chris Paul directly. 
I don't think that Chris Haynes just made it up. I've got people out there saying, oh, Chris Haynes lied or something. No, I don't think he made it up. I don't think he made this up at all. I think the Suns probably communicated that the most likely outcome that's coming for Chris Paul was that he is going to get waived. But if you're Chris Paul, you don't want to wait until June 20th, the deadline to waive him is June 28th. You don't want to wait till then to know whether or not you're actually going to be a free agent because that gives teams very little time to pivot and suddenly say, oh, Chris Paul's on the market. Okay, let's try and get something worked out with him. Look, we know NBA free agency doesn't start till June 30th, but let's face it, discussions are being had ahead of time. There's no question. I know there's tampering rules and all that kind of stuff, but things are happening, right? Conversations are being had ahead of time. That's the way it goes. The NBA just doesn't want it to get out early, like what deals are agreed to and all that kind of stuff. So with that being said, if you're Chris Paul, you want to push the Suns to try to make a decision earlier. So it makes sense that Chris Paul would be saying, oh, no, no, I'm getting waived. Other teams out there that um, that are, might be interested, start getting ready because, uh, yeah, I'm going to be on the market. I'll, I'll be I'll be a free agent and you can come get me. Um, for the Suns, though, what you want to do is you want to wait until June 28th so that way if there's a trade that pops up, say between now and the 28th, something happens, a uh, draft night, something happens where you could use Chris Paul's salary in a deal. Great. Um, or let's say a great deal comes along for DeAndre Ayton and suddenly you don't have to part ways with Chris Paul. That's something too that could happen. Now, obviously it's not likely, it's not likely, but you exhaust that option if you go ahead and pull the trigger right now and just wave him. So Chris Paul is going to want that to be done now if they're going to wave him so that teams can get ready for him and he can figure out where it is he want to, wants to go. For the Suns though, makes more sense to wait as long as possible. Now, all that being said, Chris Paul, should the Lakers bring him in or not? I've got a lot of people in our chat that are saying, don't bring in Chris Paul. See, here's the thing. And this is why we do this as part of the more than meets the eye segment. Again, sponsored by Oakley. Why we do this is to dig a little bit deeper because the knee jerk reaction is, should the Lakers get Chris Paul? Hell yeah. Chris Paul is a phenomenal player, right? Chris Paul is a, an all time great. Chris Paul is a hall of famer. He's going to be. Why would you not? want Chris Paul on this roster. But it's not quite so easy, is it? When you dig a little bit deeper, when you look a little bit further and do this. And I'm not saying Chris Paul is a bad idea. I'm not saying you don't go get him. But I think it's a real conversation the Lakers need to have. Assuming he does ultimately get waived, which I still think is the path that we're going to head down. He's going to be waived. If he is available in free agency, and by the way, this is key, if you see the Phoenix Suns stretch his salary, he's gone. He can't come back to Phoenix. If they just waive him, they could re-sign him, save a little bit of money, and re-sign him. So something to pay attention to in the news. If and when Chris Paul is waived, pay attention to whether or not the Phoenix Suns stretch his salary. They can stretch it over five years. Find, check and see. Did they stretch it over five years or not? If the answer is no then he could go back to Phoenix. If the answer is yes, they stretch that salary. That's it. He's moving on to a new home. But Chris Paul, 38 years old. He's an all-time great. But what is it that really fits alongside LeBron and AD? We've been saying this literally for years now. What two particular skills do you have to have to play next to LeBron James and Anthony Davis? Two things. Got to be able to shoot the three. And you got to be able to play defense. Chris Paul, can he shoot the three? Yeah, kind of. 
37% from deep. Look, that's not bad on, on this Lakers team last season. You'll take that 37%. So yeah. Okay. Go ahead and check that box. He can shoot the three. Can he play defense? Nope. Not anymore. He used to be an all world defender. Now he's 38 years old. Defense tends to drop off as you get older. So is he a big defensive plus? No, he's still an incredibly smart player. He still can take angles and things like that. He still can step in and take a charge. He can do some, some good things there, but he's not the all-world defender that he used to be. So you're checking one of two boxes there. You've got a guy that can shoot threes. He's okay at it, but is Chris Paul really a spot-up three-point shooter? Is that, what, is that what makes Chris Paul Chris Paul? No, it's not, right? We always say, Look, if you can get a guy who can shoot threes, and we'll talk about the Lakers' search for shooting later on in the show, if you can get a guy that can shoot threes and can defend, you're in good shape. But it's the other things those guys can do that's going to really put you over the top. Just you have to have that base, shoot threes and defend, and then you add on top of that. This guy can do a little bit of playmaking. This guy's great at getting the free throw line. This guy's a great rebounder, whatever. That's the icing on the cake. But with Chris Paul, the thing that he's great at is orchestrating the offense, right? With the ball in his hands. Now, he was still pretty effective playing alongside Devin Booker. Averaged almost nine assists, nine assists this past season, and that's with Devin Booker having a pretty high usage rate. That's with Kevin Durant coming in. Um, admittedly, though, that was late in the season, so there wasn't a whole lot of numbers on that. But are we recreating the Russell Westbrook problem if you go get Chris Paul? And I'm not saying... Russ and Chris Paul are the same player. They're very much not. They're so different, right? In terms of efficiency, in terms of the way they play, everything. Very, very different. But Chris Paul is also at his best when he can run high pick and roll with the basketball in his hands. How often is he going to be able to do that on a Lakers team that has LeBron, that has Anthony Davis, that has Austin Reeves? Let's not forget about him. I don't think he's going anywhere. And he was, frankly, one of the Lakers' better options this season. So, if Chris Paul's usage rate is going way down, what do you do if you are the Lakers? Do you want to make this move or not? And finally, it comes down to, is he better than the alternative options? If the alternative options are D'Angelo Russell, who shot 40% from three, 41% from three for the Lakers during the regular season, and I know he's been much maligned lately, but is, he, is Chris Paul better than D'Angelo Russell? Maybe the answer is yes. I don't I don't know. It's something to debate, though. Is Chris Paul better than Dennis Schroeder? Probably. Probably. But Dennis also fits really well with his ability to play defense, with his ability to create offense on his own. He's not the passer Chris Paul is, not anywhere close. But might Dennis be the better fit? Could D'Angelo Russell, who's really good playing off the ball, also be a better fit? This Chris Paul thing, Again, when you dig a little bit deeper, it's not the knee-jerk, home run, yes, sign this guy immediately answer. It's something you really have to debate. Now, I'll throw this out there. If the question is, do you want Chris Paul for a veteran minimum, if that is in any realm possible, then yes, you want Chris Paul on that deal. But I'm assuming you're going to have to use your full mid-level exception to get him. And if that's the case, I don't know that Chris Paul for sure is the better option than Dennis Schroeder or D'Angelo Russell. It's certainly something to debate. So again, you dig a little bit deeper and Chris Paul to the Lakers certainly sounds good 
finally, destiny fulfilled, right? What was taken away from us over 10 years ago by David Stern, by the NBA, basketball reasons, that tragedy, to right that wrong would feel good. But is that the best team, best thing for this team? I know I've got a lot of questions and comments about Chris Paul, and so we'll get into this a little bit further for sure. But that was our More Than Meets the Eye segment sponsored by Oakley. All right, let me get into some of your questions and comments before I get into my next topic. And we're, we'll lead things off here with Mamba Mentality. Says the Phoenix Suns paid Chris Paul all that money just to waive him. Sounds like they know something. If I were the Lakers, I would bring him in for a workout to see if he's NBA fit and bring him in as a backup like Rondo. Uh, veteran minimum or $5 million taxpayer. That's a good point about the taxpayer. If the taxpayer mid-level is enough for Chris Paul, okay. That Again, I think that's an instant guess. If it's $5 million bucks for Chris Paul, yeah, you'll worry about some fit issues. The other question is, will he be okay being a backup or not? Would any of those guys be okay? Austin's not losing his starting job here, right? Is D'Lo okay coming off the bench? Is Chris Paul okay coming off the bench? I wouldn't assume the answer is yes. That's something you'd have to factor in as well. Is Dennis okay with coming off the bench? I don't know if Dennis is back, by the way. His comment on Instagram the other day made that sound like he was kind of saying goodbye. So I don't know for sure that Dennis is back, but if he's back, I think Dennis is a little bit more accept accepting of, of a reserve position than most likely Chris Paul or D'Angelo Russell would be. Another thing that you got to consider with all this, but why would Phoenix pay him all that money just to waive him? Well, it's in part because of the new collective bargaining agreement, because of the super tax, that's going to be a factor with this. Um, teams, you're going to see teams make some very difficult choices when the super tax starts to really kick in here. And that's the summer, 179.5 million. I'm looking at it as a hard cap. That's the second salary uh, apron tier, right? That got brought in. I think the like the NBA has gone too far. I talked about this on the front office show the other day. The NBA has gone too far. I think they lost their minds with this new CBA. Um, it is so punitive, and they're going so far out of their way to punish teams that spend that it's to the point where you're going to punish teams for drafting well. That's what's going to happen. You're going to punish teams for drafting and developing players. You already can see it. I mean, look at Miami. They're in the finals. They're down 2-1 now. They're in the finals. They're going to have a very difficult time keeping Max Strews, keeping Gabe Vincent, these guys they went out and found and have developed and turned into these good players, they're probably going to have to part ways with them or part ways with some other players and pay to get other salaries off their books, make some very difficult decisions. Look, I understand the NBA's need to not have teams just buy their way to a championship, not just outspend everybody else. And I think it makes sense. You don't want a Steve Ballmer to come in with way more money than anybody else and just outspend everybody and win a championship that way. That's not an ideal look. Plus, you want parity, which means talent not all getting um, combined onto one team. You want that team to have to make difficult decisions, to have to offload some of that talent so it goes and gets dispersed around the NBA and so team fans of every team can feel like they've got a shot at some point to win. There's that too. But the fact that teams are going to get punished for drafting well, that doesn't feel so great. I understand not wanting to let teams just stock up, right? Year after year after year, use your mid-level, use your taxpayer, just add on to it, take more money in a trade, add, 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 add. Understand not wanting to let teams do that, but specifically for drafted players, 
just doesn't feel right. Just doesn't feel right to get punished for drafting well. But that's all besides the point. As far as the Suns knowing something, I think this is a financial move. And it's not just, you know, the Suns, the new Suns owner being cheap or something like that. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying this is a move so that they strategically can use their mid-level exception. Look, the Suns' weakness was depth. We saw it during the postseason. They didn't have enough depth on this roster. You're not going to get depth when you're sitting there right at the tax line already as it is. You're not going to be able to add the kind of depth that you need, not the quality depth. You're probably going to get a few ring chasers that can come in, some older guys, but you're not going to be able to add the depth. So that's what this is. I don't think this is about the Suns not liking Chris Paul suddenly. I don't think that's what this is. I think this is about the Suns saying, we can't have a team that's just Devin Booker, Chris Paul, DeAndre Ayton, Kevin Durant, and that's it. And no depth. And that's what we're going to be staring down unless we do something to free up some money. All right. Vinny, do you think Chris Paul will come for a mid-level or even a veteran's minimum? I would start D'Lo and try to get Chris Paul off the bench if possible. Personally, I like Dennis over CP3. So Chris Paul, can you get him for... There's a big difference, by the way, between a mid-level and a veteran minimum. Veteran minimum would pay him like two and a half million. Um, the mid-level, the full mid-level is $12.2 million. You're talking about a, a four-year deal. Now, you can't give him a four-year deal, but if you're giving a four-year mid-level exception deal, you're talking over $50 million. So uh, Chris Paul, you can't give him a four-year deal because of uh, the age restriction. He's 38 years old. The over 38 rule would prevent you from doing that. But nonetheless, if you can get him for like the taxpayer bid level, I think that limit at $5 million, that's your no-brainer. Yeah, you do it. At 12.2, you got to start considering your opportunity cost. So tomorrow, uh, or today for podcast listeners who are listening to this on Thursday, my, our first ideal offseason is going to drop. I went through and, and did a roster build and uh, kind of went through some of the difficult decisions the Lakers would have to make. I used that full mid-level exception. And if you're going to use that, or I think I used 10 million of it, if you're going to use that, there's some interesting players that are out there. Um, guys like Nas Reed think he's intriguing. Christian Wood is out there. You've got you've got a number of guys that you could potentially use that on. So there's real opportunity cost to using your mid-level exception on Chris Paul. Now, Chris Paul, of course, is a much more accomplished player than pretty much anybody else that's going to be available for that mid-level exception. But nonetheless, big, big difference between the veteran minimum, the taxpayer, and the full mid-level exception. If it's the full mid-level, you have to really start weighing what your opportunity cost is in terms of not just who could we spend the mid-level on, but also if we're adding that much salary to the books, who does that mean we're not going to be able to bring, bring back down the road? Could this mean if you use the full mid-level, does that mean no Lonnie Walker? That was the situation I found myself in when I was building out this Lakers roster. So a lot of things the Lakers have to consider there. Uh, but as far as starting D'Lo and bringing CP3 off the bench, yeah, that look, that's fine. Wouldn't have a problem with that. But does Chris Paul have a problem with that? Is he okay with it? Look, he's been a starter. He's been a legend. To suddenly say, hey, Chris, come sign up with the Lakers. Uh, here's a bench role for you. That's a tough sell. Hey, D'Lo, come re-sign with the Lakers. You're a free agent. Come sign with the Lakers. We're going to bring you off the bench behind Chris Paul. That's a tough sell. Austin certainly doesn't deserve to lose his starting job. How do you manage that? Personally, I like Dennis over CP3, this comment says. I can see why. 
right? Dennis does the dirty work on defense. Is Chris Paul the better player? Yeah, but who's the better fit? Sometimes that matters. Sometimes you get to a point where fit doesn't matter that much, where talent is what really matters, and talent will just win out. But if it's close, fit can matter a lot on a team. Fit can matter a lot. And that's something the Lakers would have to consider. Uh, Syed said, my offseason, break up the full mid-level exception. Okay, so between Dennis Schroeder, Trey Lyles. Okay, so you're splitting the full mid-level. So what, $6 million apiece between Schroeder and Lyles? Okay, not bad. Both, by the way, spoiler alert, both those guys are on the Lakers roster next season on my uh, roster build that I did for my ideal offseason. Both Trey Lyles and Dennis Schroeder. Biannual to Mason Plumley. Okay, so you're filling the big position with Mason Plumley on a biannual. So that's about four and a half million. Not bad. I don't mind that. I went a different direction for my my center, but yeah, I can see that. Bring back D'Lo, Rui, and Austin. Okay. Yet you can do all those things depending on you know how much D'Lo costs. Retain Vando, Braun, Max, AD, and keep the picks. Yeah, so that, that is actually very similar to the roster build I just went through. Again, that's going to get published on Thursday. You'll see what is a fairly conservative roster build built around the concept of Rob Palenka saying, we want to keep the young players. We want to bring them back. What does that look like? And that's what I did, trying to give the Lakers a little bit of a, a punch, a little bit of a shot in the arm while still keeping most of the core intact. I'm going to do future roster builds where they make a bunch of trades, where they um, go for cap space and things like that looking at a lot of different paths the Lakers can take. But in the first one, I wanted to take the conservative approach and say, what if, what if you just take this team and say, hey, we're pretty good. Let's mostly run it back with a few tweaks here and there and see what we can do. Um, that's pretty similar to what you're doing here and what you're talking about uh, with this comment, with this super chat. So I like it. And Syed also said Myers, Leonard, and Tristan on veteran minimums. Yeah, that, that's a couple more bigs that you could add to the mix. Uh, I don't know if you need both of them. If you've got Plumley already on the roster, Becomes Myers Leonard, Tristan Thompson, um, Plumley, and then of course AD is going to play minutes at the five as well. Even if you're saying AD should be the four, even in even in 2020 when they won the championship, it was a 60-40 split. He spent 40% of his minutes at, at center. He's going to play center. I would recommend that he not play center all the time like he did last season, but Nonetheless, he's going to play minutes at center. So Myers Leonard, Tristan Thompson, Mason Plumley, that's that's where I think it goes a little too far i don't think you need all three of those guys but two of them sure sure hey chris said chris paul would be nice but we'd better be smart in building this roster out he may not be another 2012 steve nash that's where it can get risky great example great example of what can happen when you focus on name over game when you focus on what a guy was and not what they're going to be in the future, right? Steve Nash, and look, obviously that was a disaster. A disastrous addition for the Lakers. He got hurt, and that was injury-related mostly, but he got hurt. He never really became the guy that the Lakers were hoping he would be. He was up there in years. Coincidentally, he came from the Phoenix Suns, and here we go again, Right? Is that what's going to happen here with Chris Paul? Well, it's possible. It's something that you can't just dismiss. Again, he's 38 years old. He's hurt all the time. That's the other problem with this. Chris Paul, LeBron James, Anthony Davis, all on the same team. You're just praying all three of them are healthy for the playoffs. But how about getting to the playoffs? What does that look like? 
Each one is probably going to play, what, 60 games? And probably not all at the same time. So are you going to be able to get to the postseason, get there with the kind of record that you want? When you know these guys are going to miss games, that's something to consider as well. But yeah, look, 2012 Steve Nash, that's the downside. That's the downside. That's the risk. Do you find yourself repeating history with a aging, very injured point guard that you're counting on to do a lot more um, and they can't? Vinny, should we or can we trade for Turner and what package? So Miles Turner, sure. You could, in theory. Um, you could do something around, I don't know, Malik Beasley's contract, $16.5 million. That would probably mean you're not using your, your mid-level exception, at least not your full mid-level. But you can go after a Miles Turner. You'd have to put in the 17th pick. I like the 17th pick a lot. I think there's going to be some interesting talent there. And if I'm Indiana... Malik Beasley and 17 is not enough for Miles Turner. Now, Malik Beasley and 17 in exchange for Buddy Heald. And what pick is it again? I want to say they've got 27. Uh, the, the Pacers do. Let me double check. And 26. It was 26. Malik Beasley and 17 for Buddy Heald and 26. I'd do that deal. If I'm the Pacers, I don't know if the Lakers should, but maybe that's an option. That's not getting you Miles Turner, though, particularly on the contract that he's got. $21 million this next season, $20 million the season after, and that's it. I like his fit next to Anthony Davis. Not everybody does, but I like it. The question is, are you willing to give up more? Are you willing to give up? I mean, if I'm Indiana, I'm asking for that 2029 first. Are you going to give up 17 a salary and say Malik Beasley and another first to get Miles Turner. That's the problem because that's going to be the asking price. And I don't think the Lakers will want to pay it, especially if not everybody in the front office is totally convinced that uh, Miles Turner and Anthony Davis is a good fit together. Um, <laughs> Mission 86. This is going to be one of those off seasons, isn't it? Whew. Drivers start your engines. Here we go. Uh, one of those off seasons. Try every offseason. This is every offseason with the Lakers. Every free agent player gets linked to the Lakers. It's just, it's the way it goes. It's the way of the world. It's part of being the Los Angeles Lakers. You're going to generate buzz. There's going to be plenty to talk about. There's going to be lots going on. It's just the way that it goes when it's the Lakers. And personally, I love it. I love it. I love the possibilities. I love the rumors. I love the potential. I love breaking down what things could look like. And okay, if this happens, then what else can happen? The chain of events. It's so fun to get into, but I'm also, and I'll give myself a little bit of credit here. I am very good at taking all of these rumors with a grain of salt and not getting my heart set on any particular thing happening. Not everybody's like that. And I get that frustration from fans a lot telling me, telling me, oh my gosh, I can't handle it. I can't handle all the rumors. I get so upset when things don't actually happen. And so for some people, it's a challenge to get through this part of the year. Me, I, I love it. I love all the potential possibilities that are out there and trying to break down what is the best way to put this puzzle together and create a championship roster. It's, it's one of my favorite things, but I understand that it's not for everybody, but it's also just the way of the world in the NBA and particularly for the Los Angeles Lakers. By the way, it's one of the problems I've got with the new CBA is I think it's going to restrict trades 
a little bit more. And that's one of the things the NBA is great at. They dominate the NFL, MLB, NHL with their offseason. Their offseason is unlike any other sport. It is, it's the game within the game. It's become its own animal. It's why some people look forward to June and July more so than the in-season play because of all the different moves that are going on, all the news, all the different, the cap manipulations and all that kind of stuff that can happen. Um, I think if you're doing anything to rein that in right now, if you're the NBA, if you're doing anything to take away from, say, the trade market, which I think the, C the new CBA will do, that's a mistake. I do think the new CBA goes too far now that we're seeing everything come out. Syed said, possible to use the taxpayer mid-level and biannual or only taxpayer mid-level. Um, it is one or the other. Now, you can use the full mid-level and the biannual. You cannot use the biannual and the taxpayer mid-level right? Um, because using the biannual hard caps you at the tax apron, right? At 169 million. So you wouldn't be able to get to the point where you would have access to the taxpayer mid-level. Um, so yeah, they are th those two things you cannot use together. The full mid-level and the biannual you could use together because those hard cap you at the same spot at that 169 million. The taxpayer mid-level hard caps you at 179 and a half million, which is where the new super tax will kick in. By the way, whether or not you use the taxpayer, I'm looking at that 179 and a half million as a hard cap, regardless. The NBA, I don't know how ownership pulled it off. They pulled one over on the NBA Players Association because hard cap was a bad word for so long. The NBA owners tried to sneak through um, upper spending limit rather than call it a hard cap. And Players saw right through it and said, nope, we have no interest in that. We're not doing that. It's a non-starter. And yet what they've got now is going to essentially be a hard cap anyway. I don't know. Owners got it done somehow. Re, Lakers fans wanted Kyrie. Instead, we might get CP3, LOL. I'm only giving him a veteran minimum to play for us. Mike Malone needs to approve this news. Okay, so first of all, if, look, again, if you can get Chris Paul for a veteran minimum, great. You do it. You do it, and you say, look, we can figure everything else out, right? That's, but I guess it comes down to what if it's, and again, Woj already reported that both LA teams will be interested. What if it takes the taxpayer mid-level to get him, or he's going to the Clippers? What if it takes the full mid-level to get him, or he's going to the Clippers? What do you do? Are you willing to give that little bit extra? For me, the taxpayer, yeah, I, I would go there. If that's what I've got access to, if it costs five million bucks, okay. If it's the full mid level, that twelve point two million, that's where I think you really have to look at your options. And I'm, and the answer may still be yes, but you really have to take a good look at your options and see what the domino effect is. Who does that mean you can't sign? What does that mean for building out the rest of your roster? Because there's going to be consequences in the rest of your roster build with using that on Chris Paul. Um, not saying he's not worth it, just something the Lakers have to consider. Mike Malone. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. Is anybody paying that much attention to the finals? Like, I watch it. And I look, I wish Miami won game three. They didn't. Denver looked just really, really good. They won game three. It's now 2-1. Denver takes home court back. I'm hoping it goes seven games just so we get more basketball on TV. But it, it seems like there's the finals are kind of getting overlooked to a degree. And so I think Mike Malone does have a point with that. But it's all it's kind of funny at this point because he was complaining so much about, you know, nobody pays attention to us and all, all this stuff, which is true. But he's doing it because his team is the one seed. He's doing it to try to keep a chip on their shoulder and say, oh, it's, it's us against the world and we're the underdogs. Nobody believes in us and all that. Because if you roll in and you're saying we're the one seed, we're favored to win by a lot. Well, that's hard to play with that kind of edge, right? When that's what your thought process is. So you know he's trying to get his team focused and, and it's part of that. I understand it. But it is kind of funny at this point that it seems like every time something positive happens for the Nuggets, uh, news comes out that just obliterates whatever's going on in the finals. You know, like in this case, the Chris Paul situation, um, Zion Williamson all over Twitter today. Oh boy, Zion. Oh boy. Did you get yourself in a little bit of trouble? Um, the John Morant situation, of course. Yikes. What a mess that is. Are we going to buy that? It was really a toy. I don't know. Apparently that's what's coming out. But uh, suspensions come in there. Then you've got all the other stuff that's been happening. LeBron, is he going to retire, right? That completely overshadows the Nuggets sweeping the Lakers. Um, you've got LeBron and Kyrie maybe teaming up in Dallas. That obliterated game two of the finals. Mike Malone, I mean, if he has not rage deleted the Twitter app off of his phone at this point and smashed that phone into a million pieces, I would be shocked. Because he must be so frustrated. Uh, Mario, 
re-sign D'Lo, Rui, and Austin Reeves. Don't pick up Malik and Mo. Try to re-sign them on cheaper con- contracts. I agree with all that so far. Sign Chris Paul on a veteran minimum. Again, if you can get him on a veteran minimum, you do it. If you, 30 teams, if they could have Chris Paul on a veteran minimum, they do it in a heartbeat. There's no, no question there. I don't know how likely that is, though. If I'm Chris Paul and I can make $2 million or I can make $12 million, I'd rather make $12 million. Because, of course, I would. Uh, draft a wing with 17 and add Max to the rotation. Okay. So drafting a wing with 17. Who are you drafting? Jordan Hawkins is, I think, the intriguing guy that everybody's looking at. And indeed, he does wind up with the Lakers, again, spoiler alert, in my ideal offseason for the Lakers. But there's some other guys that are going to be there or that may be there uh, on draft night. There's some other guys to look at, but we'll see. I think there's an interest, an interesting draft here where pretty much no matter how it plays out, somebody I'd be really excited about is going to be there at 17. Somebody. I'd be excited about. We'll be there at 17 for the Lakers. That's cool. I'm excited about this draft. But add Max to the rotation, yes. I think Max Christie being part of the rotation for next season is very possible. It's on Max to do the work. It's on Max to grow. It's on Max to claim that. But I think that is a very realistic goal for him, and his skill set is excellent to fit with this Lakers team. Wicked Bronco. Oh, good topic here. Said Latrev, in terms of AD's extension, do you think we'll ever decide to trade him when LeBron hangs it up? Could we get a good a young star and some draft capital? Would love Chris Paul, but if it's him or Dennis, I'll take Dennis Schroeder's defense. Okay, fair enough. Dennis Schroeder being kind of the Lakers' go-to guard defender. But Anthony Davis's extension, and this is the, the argument being made here by Wicked Bronco, this is exactly why I'm in favor of extending Anthony Davis. Now, I'm not giving him a five-year extension, but if you can do three years, something like that with AD, great, get it done. And the reason for it is what I don't want to see if I'm the Lakers is Anthony Davis next summer in 2024. LeBron says, hey, you know what? I'm done. Or Bronny got drafted by whatever team, the Orlando Magic. So I'm going to go play with them for a year and then I'm done. So LeBron walks off. What you don't want is for Anthony Davis to walk away for no return either for just cap space. What you want is LeBron walks off, AD's under contract, and you say, hey, AD, let's find a, a trade for you. Or or Anthony Davis, look, we think we can build a championship roster around you. We've got more flexibility. Now, now LeBron is gone. Here's the guys we're going to target. Here's how we're going to do this. We're going to bring in another star to play with you. Off we go. That's that's possible too, right? But you can also move Anthony Davis and get assets for him, which is not going to happen if he's going to hit free agency in 2024 and decides to walk away. Now, again, you can extend him all of this next season. They could extend him. It could be, I don't know, March 29th. And suddenly news breaks that Anthony Davis signs an extension with the Lakers. It could happen, right? All next season, he could sign an extension. But... For right now, if I'm the Lakers, if you have an opportunity to extend them and you don't have to give them like a five-year deal, I'd do it. I'd do it because worst case, let's say AD struggles this season. Let's say things don't go according to plan. Worst case, is there a team out there that would take AD for just cap space? Could you get a top 55 protected pick 
for Anthony Davis. Yeah, unless he is suffers a terrible injury and is not able to play basketball anymore, somebody will be happy to take Anthony Davis on a max contract onto their roster. Which means if all you want, that's all you're going to get is cap space if he walks away in 2024. That's all you get, cap space from him leaving. That's your floor if you sign him to an extension. Is, man, he had such a terrible season. He has no value now. But three teams are still willing to just to take him and we'll get him off the books. So you can get that cap space no matter what. Right? Just about, no matter what. Right? But what if he has a great season? And then he tells the Lakers, you know what? I don't really want to be here anymore. And then you put him on the trade market and you find a trade. Next thing you know, look, remember your 2027 first is gone. You can recoup some assets. So I'd like to see Anthony Davis extended. I'd like to see him extended this summer, roll into next season with that extension going, and off you go from there. And and then you have the choice. If and when LeBron walks away, maybe it's 2024, maybe it's 2025, whenever it is. If and when LeBron says, that's it, I'm out, then you have the choice. You either have a plan to build out the next iteration of the Lakers around Anthony Davis, and that means bringing in another star to play with him, or you say, we're going to completely reset and you turn Anthony Davis into assets. The other thing to keep in mind here is the Pelicans still have the right to either take the Lakers 2024 first or 2025 first. Guess what? The Lakers don't have AD on an, on an extension and it's looking like LeBron's going to walk away next summer. Guess what the Pelicans are going to do? Yeah, they're going to kick the can down the road one more year. They'll take the Lakers 2025 pick and hope that LeBron and AD are both gone and the Lakers are a dumpster fire and they're terrible, and the Lakers give them a lottery pick. That's what the Pelicans are going to hope for. So if there's no extension for Anthony Davis, the Pelicans will be thrilled. Will be thrilled because this gives them the opportunity to maybe cash in on a great pick in 2025. If you're the Lakers, you don't want to give the Pelicans a great pick. Get Anthony Davis extended. Exhaust all your options in terms of building out a team around him. Who knows? Maybe LeBron stays another year. Stays until the end of, of 2025. But if he doesn't, you can explore the option of can we go get another star somehow to come play with AD and not bottom out, not have to do this full rebuild thing, particularly when we don't have control of our own pick in either 2024 or 2025 and 2027. Makes things problematic in terms of Anthony Davis just, okay, go walk away and we'll just take cap space. All right, that's my rant on that topic. Um, Isham said 38 year old, unreliable, always injured, hard pass. Look, it's fair. Look, he's there's an injury history there. He's also a phenomenal player, um, or was he is a legend. I think he could help this team, but it's not an easy yes, depending on it, depends on the cost. Wicked Bronco, any chance we can get Jeremy Grant? He's a free agent. Nope. You don't have enough money. Don't have enough money to go get him. Even if you offered the full mid-level, teams are going to blow that offer out of the water. And I'd imagine he's probably going to stay in Portland. So, uh, unfortunately, Jeremy Grant is a guy that you just you don't have enough to go get. You just don't. Uh, Bert, who would you get for the package of Beasley, Moe, and 17? So, Beasley and Moe, combined 16 if you were to guarantee all of Mo's contract that's 10.3 million Malik Beasley 16.5 million so then we're talking about a total 
of $26.8 million. Um, so $26.8 million in matching salary. Now, you have to remember, though, when we're looking at the Lakers cap sheet, $26 million, I, I'm looking at that as money that's not on your books. If suddenly you turn that into a player, because I, I think they're not going to guarantee most salary, I think they're not going to pick up Beasley's option anymore. So if you suddenly turn that into a player who you want to keep and that money is on your books, there's going to be some consequences for doing that. Most likely that's going to cost you the mid-level exception. You won't be able to use it anymore if you do this. Um, not the end of the world, right? Maybe you have a great plan for the taxpayer mid-level, okay? Or maybe the guy you're getting in this deal is great. And so you're willing to, to make this swap. Um, but just something to consider, right? It's not as simple as just, is player A worth Malik Beasley, Mo Bamba, and the 17th pick. There's a little bit more to it than just that. But that said, who could you get for that package? Um, Man, the first name that comes to mind for me, it's Fred Van Vliet. It's Fred Van Vliet. What if he were to opt into his deal? Could you get him for that? Would Toronto say, yeah, we'll, we'll take two expiring contracts and a first round pick for a guy that is probably not coming back for us anyway. And he'll opt in and then, and then you do the trade. It's interesting. And then you could free up some space by just letting Dilo walk, I guess. Then maybe you could still use your mid-level because I was looking at it, assuming that you re-signed Dilo. It's interesting, right? I'm not saying it definitely gets it done. Toronto probably wants a little more, but just a name that I throw out there. Uh, who else are you going to get with that package? I'd have to really start looking at salaries and, and trades and all that kind of stuff. And who else could be out there that, that could be you know available for that. But again, it would have to be enough of a difference maker that it's worth sacrificing your mid-level exception, not having that to use in addition to giving up the 17th pick, which I think is going to be pretty valuable. I think you can get a pretty good player with that 17th pick. So you put those two things together and then it's also got to be for an opposing team. It's got to be enough to give up that player. Like, let me throw a name out there. DeMar DeRozan. What if it's DeMar DeRozan? Do you do it then? 17, Beasley and Mo for DeMar DeRozan. And then you figure out what you're going to do with D'Lo. Do you do that? It's got to be tempting, right? But he's getting up there in years. Is he the best fit? Some questions there. He's on an expiring deal, though, so you're not affecting your long-term salary too much. I don't know. I'm I'm really excited about the guys that can be there at 17, but what if you can get a player of that caliber? Jay said, is it possible to let go of D'Lo, Reeves, and Beasley, pick up Kyrie, and keep everyone else? Who's everyone else that we're talking about there? Let go of D'Lo, let go of Reeves, let go of Beasley. Pick up Kyrie and keep everyone else. Um, Jay, the answer is no. Uh, the reason for that is if you're going to pick up Kyrie, I'm assuming you mean pick him up as a free agent. And the problem with that is that if you're going to get him as a free agent, even if you clear the decks, it's LeBron, it's AD on your roster, that's it. You're going to have about 35-ish, give or take like a million, um, to offer Kyrie in that scenario. So that's asking him to take a pay cut because you could get 45 million. So you're asking Kyrie to take a pay cut to begin with. 
But the problem is when it comes to keep everyone else is cap holds. You're not going to have that $35 million available to give Kyrie if you have Rui Hachimura's $18 million cap hold sitting on your books, which has to stay on the books. If you're going to pay him, if you're going to try to go over the cap to pay him, um, you have to have that sitting on the books. So, yeah, you're not going to be able to keep him. Lonnie Walker would have a cap hold sitting on the books if you want to bring him back. Same thing's true of Dennis Schroeder. Same thing, and it's going to be a smaller cap hold, but all of these guys are going to have cap holds. So the only way to do it would be to truly wipe your books clean, renounce your rights to Rui, renounce your rights to Lonnie, to Dennis Schroeder, to all of these guys, which would mean you no longer can go over the cap to keep any of them. You don't have their bird rights anymore. And you add Kyrie, then you would have the room exception because you use cap space. You would have a seven point something million dollar room exception to use. I want to say $7.8 million room exception that you could use. And then you could, um, sorry, 7.6 million is the room exception. And so you would add Kyrie, you would have LeBron, AD, Kyrie, whatever you could get for 7.6 million and the rest of your roster is better in minimums. So long answer there, I know, but essentially it comes down to no. It wouldn't be possible to keep everyone else, even if you let Reeves, D'Lo, and Beasley walk away. Uh, your fact channel said, could we keep Reeves and Rui if we sign and traded D'Lo for DeRozan? Oh, okay, here's a DeRozan question. Who's making $28.6 million. Give Braun and AD a third person they can rely on and keep depth. depth. Um, yes. Yeah. Yeah, you could keep Reeves and Rui. No problem. No problem. Um, and the reason for it is this. DeMar DeRozan is already under contract. So because he's under a contract, you're not receiving a player in a sign-and-trade. So, look, your salaries start to stack up, right? LeBron is, what, 46 million. AD is 40 million. You add uh, DeMar DeRozan into the mix, who's almost 30 million, right? It starts to add up quickly. But nonetheless, you can go over the cap to sign Rui. You can go over the cap to sign Austin Reeves because you have their bird rights. Now, at some point, you would start butting up against that, what I'm calling going to call a hard cap. It's not officially a hard cap, but that 1795 million dollars that second tier tax apron you'd start hitting that and so that's where you'd have to start keeping an eye on things again by adding that salary you're probably not able to use your full mid-level um maybe your biannual i'd have to actually crunch the numbers most likely you'd be limited to your taxpayer mid-level which would be five million and that would indeed trigger a, a legit hard cap at 179 and a half million but that is potentially a path forward and one that I wouldn't hate. If you could turn D'Angelo Russell into DeMar DeRozan, now the question is, what do the Bulls want in addition to D'Lo? Will they do that straight up? Or do they need more in order to get that done? That would be a question. But uh, yeah, DeRozan is not a signed and traded player. Uh, he would be under contract. You would not trigger a hard cap by doing that. So you would have some consequences with your roster build, but you could do that. And I wouldn't hate it. I will probably do a ideal offseason with that exact transac transaction in it. Esham said, love the new CBA, spreads out talent, rest in peace, super teams. Um, it does. My concern is that it goes too far to stifle offseason trades or, or trades in general and makes it too difficult to complete those kinds of transactions. That's where I think it oversteps and it goes too far. Um, I also would like to see some type of relief built in for teams that draft players. 
like if you draft a guy after a certain amount of years, you need to give him a big contract to pay him. That's fine. The player deserves the money, but don't count the entire contract on your, towards, towards your salary cap. Reward teams for drafting well. Don't punish teams for drafting well and make them get rid of guys that they drafted. They spent all the time drafting. They spent all the time developing, and then they have to watch them walk away because of their rules. I'd rather see... Look, punish the teams that are just trying to stockpile talent that are just going out there spending, 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 taking in money in trades, spending their mid-level every single year and just trying to outspend everybody else and bring in mercenaries each year. Sure, punish, you know, make it more difficult to do that. But the teams that draft well and want to develop talent over the years, don't punish that. Why? Because that's how you build a connection. Look at Lakers Nation. Look at the relationship the fans have and had with Kobe. Why was it so strong? Why do we still tear up on the anniversary of Kobe's passing? Why do we still feel that connection? Because we watched this kid grow for 20 years. From coming in as a rookie all the way through. All the way through his entire career. We watched every moment. And that that kind of buy-in from fans, you only get with a player that your team has drafted, right? To have that opportunity. And it's rare in today's NBA to see players stick with teams, right? Year after year after year. There's more player movement now, and there's, there's benefits to that as well. But if you're going to draft a player, and you're going to develop that player, and your fans are going to get attached to them, they've watched this kid grow through the trials and tribulations and all of that. I don't want to punish that team for drafting that kid and developing that kid and then have to tell that team, well, you know what? Sorry, because of our roster rules, you drafted too well. Because not only did you draft that kid, but you drafted like three other kids that are all pretty good. And now you can't pay all of them. So you're going to have to make some tough calls. Who are you kicking to the curb? I don't want to see that take place. I'd rather see teams rewarded for drafting well and bringing in these guys. And maybe it's not a perfect solution, but that's me. I don't want to see teams have to get rid of players that they drafted, that they developed simply because of the NBA's rules that are preventing them from building out their roster. Grindhard said, how is another purple and gold LA Sparks better than the Lakers? We need to play. We need better players. I'm tired to keep knock off every year since 2020. It's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. What? I, I'm sorry. I, I really don't understand the question here. Why? Why are we assuming the Lakers are bad? Is that the? That seems like the premise here. Like, oh my gosh, the Lakers are terrible. The Lakers went to the Western Conference Finals with a team that had been together for two months. Like, I think we have to keep context in mind here. Yeah, it hurts to see the Lakers swept. No question. It's frustrating. It's annoying. But LeBron's playing on a torn tendon. Anthony Davis is managing an active injury. He's going to have surgery on the bone spurs in his foot. And the team had been together for two months. 
and they went to the Western Conference Finals. If we're looking at that and saying, Wan, why are the Lakers terrible? The Sparks are better than the Lakers. Why, why do we have another season of, of misery? I don't know what to tell you. I thought this was a great season. It was great. Yeah, look, it hurts to get swept. It was frustrating. It was embarrassing. But big picture, step back a little bit. And my God, what a hell of a season. What a hell of a turnaround. To go from 2-10, and 0.3% chance to make the playoffs, to the Western Conference Finals, making big moves, swinging for the fences, adding players that are in their mid-20s that can be part of the franchise for years to come. There's a lot to be very proud of this season from the Lakers. I can't look at this season as doom and gloom and misery. That was last season. Well, I guess this season is last season now, right? We're in the weird, what season are we really talking about? But the 2022-2023 season, um, this season, is pretty good. It's pretty good, right? The turnaround. 2021-2022, that was a season of misery. That, that was awful. This was not that. This was not that. Um, one of the topics that I want to get into for the show is LeBron, though. LeBron next season. What is he going to be? And I think this is important for the roster build. See, there's a lot of people out there that look at LeBron and they look at what he did in the postseason and they're like, oh, he's washed. He's done. Yep, no lift anymore. He's just old. We've done this before. We did this in 2021. Remember that? When LeBron was playing on a, on a bad ankle in uh, against Phoenix. And everybody said the same thing. It's the same thing. It's like we're just stuck in a time loop. Oh, LeBron's done. Doesn't have any lift anymore. He's done. Well, ignoring the fact that he was playing on a high ankle sprain, which is notorious for robbing you of your athleticism. It's what happens. Sure enough, LeBron comes back the next season and, hey, look, he looks bouncier again. Shocker when he's not playing on an injured ankle. Now, is he 28-year-old LeBron? No, he's 38-year-old LeBron. He's not jumping out of the gym. He's not sprinting up and down the floor every single possession. He can do it every now and then. He can push down on the gas pedal and go. He can't do it all game anymore. Can't do it for 82 games anymore. It's to be expected. But to look at the LeBron that we saw in the playoffs and say, oh, that's who LeBron is right now, completely ignoring that he was playing on a torn tendon in his foot that might need surgery this offseason and clearly was affecting his leaping ability, that is just a mistake. It's just ignoring what's right in front of you. People want to say, no, no excuses. You can't look at injuries and, and make an excuse. This is an excuse. This is just called you're playing hurt. And once you're healed, you're probably going to look better. You're probably going to feel better. You're going to have a spring in your step back. I would be surprised if LeBron next season, whenever it is that he plays, maybe he's not ready to start the season. I don't know. But I would be surprised if LeBron does not look athletically better than he did in the playoffs. That's not a hot take. That's a hey, a healthy guy is probably going to look more athletic than a guy who's actively managing a foot injury. And yet we conveniently forget this and just write off LeBron. Again, he'll be 39 next season. I'm not expecting him to be 28. 
not expecting him to just go turbo every single possession. You're not going to get that. But to assume that what we saw in the playoffs, this guy who was mostly ground bound, that guy who had to had to rely on bully ball a bunch and all of that, that that's just who he is now. That's foolish. There's no reason to do that when we know, we know he's actively managing an injury that would sap his athleticism. So for LeBron next season, I think we see him look better than he did in the playoffs this year. I think that's reasonable to assume. That said, I think we're also going to see a LeBron who does not want to have to push down on the gas pedal each and every game, a LeBron who wants to take a little bit more of a backseat because he understands that's the way he's going to get to the postseason and have something left. So if you're the Lakers and you're building out the roster, you have to have a roster build in mind that can be competitive without LeBron or be competitive with LeBron at 70%, right? Not fully exerting himself. Cause I think that's what we're going to see from here. We're going to see a LeBron that can show flashes of what he can do, but he's not going to want to do the heavy lifting through the regular season. It's time to save it for the playoffs. And so if you're Rob Palenka and you're building out this roster, you need to build out a team that's got the depth needed to be competitive and win games without LeBron. That's going to be the key for the Lakers this season. And you know what? They may have already done it. They did it post-trade deadline. LeBron was out dealing with his injury. The Lakers still won a lot, enough to get themselves back into the playoff mix. So maybe it's as simple as just bring back the team from, from last season. It could be that simple. But I think that's a box the Lakers have to make sure they check. It's, do we have a team that can be successful when LeBron James is not on the floor? And overall, for the course of LeBron's time with the Lakers, they have not had that until post-trade deadline this past season. Every other time LeBron stepped off the floor, everything fell to pieces. This year's group didn't do that. Can they sustain that? Can they find a way to make sure that happens again next season? I think they're going to have to. But once again, I think it's foolish to write off LeBron and to assume that he's washed and he's done. Yes, he's going to take it easier during the regular season. Yes, he's going to take more of a back seat. But there's no reason for us to look at LeBron and not understand that he was dealing with an active injury and that would expect, be expected to take away some of that athleticism. All right. I have a little bit more to talk about here. I want to talk a bit about finding shooting, but I have a feeling I may get to it naturally through these super chats. Um, Jose said CP3 uses Aiden a lot. He's nowhere near AD's level. That's the only positive. I can see CP helping AD get in his spots versus uh, dribbling in circles. Schroeder dribbling in circles. Yeah, look, Chris Paul, if we're comparing Chris Paul and Dennis Schroeder, yeah, Dennis Schroeder is more active defensively. There's no question. Uh, Dennis Schroeder is certainly quicker. Schroeder, you can argue, is He's better getting to the basket. He's a blur. Maybe the more explosive scorer Dennis Schroeder is. He's nowhere close to the passer that Chris Paul is. Nowhere close. Dennis Schroeder, I talked about it his first season with the Lakers, called him an optimistic passer. He throws passes that aren't quite there, just kind of hoping that a guy will be will pop free. Um, it's not really his nature. He's a score first guy. 
And that's fine. Nothing wrong with that. Right? That's fine. That's what he is. But Chris Paul is a different level of passer. And there could be a positive impact for Anthony Davis because those pinpoint accurate passes coming from Chris Paul. Uh, Danico said, if Blazers draft Scoot, explore a draft day trade, Beasley and 17 or three-team D'Lo sign a trade for Anthony Simons. That's interesting. But I think if the Blazers draft Scoot, they get him with that th third pick. First of all, I think the third pick is going to be on the move. But if the Blazers keep the pick and they draft Scoot, they're going to turn Anthony Simons into a win-now player. So who would you rather have, though, Anthony Simons or D'Lo? I'd rather have Anthony Simons. Both are guards, right? If I had to pick between the two, give me Anthony Simons. Um, so I don't, I don't see the, like getting D'Lo as some major upgrade. Like, aren't you just perpetuating the problem of, hey, Scoot is a guard, Dame is a guard, Simons, you don't need as much. Why go trade him for another guard, right? And frankly, again, I'll take Simons' upside and youth over D'Angelo Russell right now. Now, you can make an argument with it. It's not saying it's an easy answer, but Simons is the guy that I would take between the two. So I don't think it makes sense in that regard. And then as far as Beasley and 17, the Blazers are going to want stuff to win right now. Beasley and 17, unless they can flip that into something else, isn't going to do that. So if I'm the Blazers, I think your premise is not bad. Hey, Blazers get scoot. Simons isn't really that much of a fit anymore. Let's put him in a package. But that's going to be to go get a wing, to go get a big, to go get something else that's going to help them win right now. That's what they're going to use Anthony Simons for. Not to add the 17th pick, not to go get D'Angelo Russell and perpetuate the guard long logjam. No, they're going to go get something that they can add to the team that they think is going to help them win right now. That's what they're going to do with it. Um, rather, And that's what they'll do with Anthony Simons as well if uh, it comes to that. All right. Let's do one more here. I do have one final topic I was going to get into, but I may save it for another day. Justin said, Braun and AD should play 30 to, 30 to 32 minutes a game next year. So they're fresh water and hopefully not injured come playoff time. I'm assuming you meant fresher and not injured come playoff time, but Ham will play them 40 minutes on opening night. You know, it's funny. Darvin Ham last season, before the season started, was talking about how he didn't need LeBron playing major minutes, major minutes in November into December. And lo and behold, the Lakers started two and 10 and LeBron's minutes started going up and it was, well, we got to win games now. Yeah, I agree. I think you need to have again, but you have to have a roster that can allow them to do that because you can't just say, well, LeBron can only play 30 minutes a night. Oh shoot. But we're the 13th seed because we can't win any games. You can't do that. Right? So you need to build out a roster that will allow LeBron to only play 30 minutes a night, that will allow LeBron to take certain nights off. That's what you have to have built. You, you know this is coming. You know. It's no secret. LeBron's 38 years old. He'll be 39 in December. It's no secret that he's not going to play every game. It's no secret that it's probably not ideal to play him 35, 38 minutes a night. You know this going in. So you have to build a roster, do everything you can to build a roster that is able to withstand that, right? You have to do that. Um, it's like if you're taking a, a road trip and you know you're going to be driving through the desert and your air conditioning is out. 
you got to go get it fixed before you go on your trip. Otherwise, you're going to melt, right? You know ahead of time that, hey, the car runs pretty well, but the AC is not working right now. Okay, you got to have a solution to that problem before you get into the thick of things, right? If you're the Lakers and you know LeBron's not going to play as many minutes, LeBron's not going to play every night, you can't get into the thick of things and have a team that was built specifically to rely upon LeBron James to do the heavy lifting. Can't do that. Because what happens when he is out? Oh my gosh, the team's floundering. Yeah, no kidding. Because the team was built to play around LeBron James. You have to build a roster specifically with the goal of not re relying on LeBron. And again, I think last year's team did that post-trade deadline. That's where D'Lo really helped. Being able to shoot well from deep. Being able to give you 17 points a night. Austin Reeves stepping up to a bigger role. That helped, right? You had more depth on your roster. That depth, it faded as we got into the playoffs. But don't get captured by just that moment. To remember what it took to get there. And you need a team with enough depth to win, even when LeBron's out, when AD's out. You need a team that can still be competitive. That, I think, is going to be critical to the Lakers roster build this summer. All right, everybody. I do appreciate all of you joining me tonight. Went a little bit into overtime. Typically shoot for about an hour for these shows, but went a little bit longer. Thank you guys for joining me. Always a blast to do this, to come on here and talk Lakers basketball with all of you. I always feel so privileged to get to do this. Um, we're heading into the offseason. This is a great time of year. We've got the draft coming up on the 22nd. Before we know it, it's going to be draft night. We're going to be breaking down who the Lakers pick. We're going to be talking about free agency starting up like a week after that. Oh boy. And then before we know it, Summer League is going to be here. We're going to be talking all about Lakers Summer League action. We're going to be in Las Vegas hanging out. We're going to be recording shows at the wind at Blue Wire Studios. We're going to be doing all kinds of great stuff. It's a, going to be a busy next month, month and a half. It's going to be crazy. So make sure you are subscribing to the Lakers Nation YouTube channel. Turn on those notifications as well. And of course, follow us over on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever it is you listen to podcasts. Thank you again, everybody. I'll put your super chats onto the next show, the questions that I didn't get to. So be on the lookout for those. Till next time, see ya and stay safe. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about, but why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.